FD Weekend Travel is supported by Remova. There is poetry in our precision, beauty in our simplicity, emotion in our innovation. At Remova, German engineering is always brimming with life. Because at Remova, German engineering is our art. Ingenieurskunst, the art of engineering since 1898. Hi, FD Weekend listeners. Welcome to episode three of our four-part mini-series on travel. Today, I'm really excited to share a conversation that I had with the FT's travel editor, Tom Robbins. Tom just knows it all. He's been reporting on tourism for many, many years. He's a real expert, and he's just very honest and clear about what's going on in the industry and how it works. We talk about the impact that social media has had on where and how we vacation. We talk about how people now want authenticity over those luxury resorts where you could kind of be anywhere. We talk about why everyone suddenly started going to Iceland and a lot more. Okay, let's get into it. This is FT Weekend, the podcast special travel edition. I'm Lila Raptopoulos. Here we go. Tom, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Lila. Great to be here. So you are the FT's travel editor, which makes you kind of our eyes and ears around the tourism industry. I hate to start with COVID, but it changed our habits so significantly around travel that I want to know, you know, like as I'm looking at my Instagram feed, that people seem to be everywhere. It feels like travel is back, but on steroids. And I'm wondering if that's true. It's sort of true, basically. That's very much what the travel industry would like you to think. But uh, the reality is um, globally this year, we are still down on what we were pre-pandemic. It's something like we're at 57% of trips globally compared to uh, the same period in 2019. Wow. And so my kind of broader view of, of travel right now is that 2020 and 2021 weren't really the crisis in tourism. A tipping point was being reached in 2019 where we had this unprecedented number of people traveling mm -hmm. combined with awareness about climate change and sustainability sort of hitting the mainstream for the first time. Right. And that's that sort of really caused a bit of a, a rethink, I think, within the industry um, and, and amongst consumers as well. And Tom, how does a, a place get trendy? You know, it feels like there are cycles where everyone seems to be going to the same places like Portugal gets hot or Mexico City gets hot or Croatia or Joshua Tree. What is it? There's a really brilliant example. Case study is Iceland, which has had a huge tourism boom in the last sort of 20 years. This is my approximation of why I think it happened. But uh, there was um, musicians like Björk, then Sigurás, that people were becoming aware of. And at the same time, Iceland Air, the national airline, was offering people stopovers right. uh, in Reykjavik. So a few people were doing that. And it wasn't because they wanted to go to Reykjavik. It was a bit of a pain, but at least they put you up for a night for free there. Right. So, And then the government started incentivizing lots of adverts to be shot there. So there were all these uh, sort of like luxury sports car adverts sort of, you know, spinning around the desolate landscapes. Uh, then there was a Bond film, you know, that sort of came off the back of that with a big car chase on the Jokul Salon. So people were becoming aware of it and starting to go, but very small numbers. But then there was the um, 2008, the currency collapse. You know, there's a big economic meltdown there. So the krona halved in value. So uh, that suddenly made it far more affordable it to go there. Cheap, yeah. 
and the tourism board invested massively in promoting tourism as an alternative to all the banking uh, and other interests that had been sort of driving the economy before that. Right. There is numerous different factors that sort of feed together. Right. And, you know, the result of all of that was that tourism went up tenfold in 20 years. And in, in Iceland, they called it the tourism bomb. Not a boom, but a bomb. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and then on the, on our side, you're like, oh, I really want to go to Iceland. I just want to see the Northern Lights. And you're like, why do I even think that now? How come I suddenly want to go to Iceland? I don't even know. Yeah. The weird thing about social media is it kind of like atomizes uh, travel. Because, yeah. you know, in the olden days, you would, you'd, you're interested in somewhere, you'd go and get the Lonely Planet and you'd read a chapter about it or you'd read the whole book and, and you'd pick out the bits that were interesting to you mm-hmm. and everyone would spread out a bit. Whereas now, you know, there's one Instagram uh, image that suddenly goes everywhere and then, you know, everyone wants to go and they take pictures of the same place. Mm-hmm. And so suddenly you find that instead of everyone going to Iceland and spreading out across the country, they're all going to the same hot pool, you know, right. in the same corner of the country. So it kind of is drawing everyone into the same places. And that's really, I imagine, bad for those places. Exactly. Yeah. A lot A lot of things around travel is that it's not a case that there are too many tourists. It's that they're all in the same place. Mm. And again, Iceland's a brilliant example because, you know, they're up to um, sort of two and a half million tourists and in the whole country in a year. Mm-hmm. And there's all these, you know, huge number of articles about the terrible over-tourism crisis there. But, you know, we get three times that number in the British Museum in a year. And that's just one <laughs> building. You know? right. And so the problem is that they all almost all stay in the same little area in the southwest corner of Iceland and they go to the same few places. Right. What needs to happen is that they need the tourism industry needs to sort of manage them more and encourage them and you know a bit of carrot and stick mm-hmm. to encourage tourists to spread out more. So how would you do that? What's an example of something that's worked? The stick is taxes. Bhutan reopened a couple of weeks ago. And they reopened with a $200 a day fee for tourists. So every day that you stay, you have to pay $200 to just be there. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. Yeah. And you also have to have a guide with you and you have to have a driver. You can't rent your own car. Mm -hmm. So they're going after this, you know, very wealthy uh, tourist and they're going to have very low numbers, but they're thereby hoping to sort of protect their cultural integrity. Mm. So that's an extreme example of it. But, you know, like Venice... Earlier this year, they banned big cruise ships. Yeah. And at the start of next year, they're going to have a, a tourism tax, like a few euros. The idea is that it stops people just coming for a day, taking their picture on Innocent Mark Square, and then going without spending any money. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that. Right. And then what's the carrot? Yeah, the carrot, I guess, is is sort of telling people that they can have these experiences that everyone wants. Social media, if tourist boards use it carefully and inventively, they can use that to draw people away to new destinations to to spread out all those tourists. That's interesting. Okay, so Tom, every December you write a piece that I really look forward to. It's a list of predictions for the next year that's kind of based on tourism data that you expect to be big. So I looked at your predictions for 2022. Now that it's the end of the year, they've basically come true. And I'd love to talk through them. The first one that stands out to me the most is the luxury dude ranch from Montana. Oh, yeah. Our colleague Madison Derbyshire wrote about this for you, too. And I think this one is funny because there are a lot of people who are spending basically luxury hotel prices to do hard physical labor for a week and sleep in a bug bed. 
and kind of live out their American cowboy fantasies. Yeah. Can you tell me about that as a trend? Well, yeah, it's very much this this thing about, you know, experiences and something that's kind of authentic, you know, rather than going to a theme park where you're sort of, I don't know, everything's a pretend version of reality. Yeah. This is trying to actually go and see something that's as authentic as possible, even if that means, you know, a, a level of discomfort. That's the case in, you know, not just in the US and those dude ranches, but, you know, people wanting to go and stay in mountain refuges in the Alps, you know, that's even led to... Those cues on Everest that we've seen, you know, that's the sort of ultimate example, I guess, of of the sort of drive to get out there and get extreme as much as possible. Yeah. Um, are there any other trends that you wrote about in December that um, stand out to you now, you know, towards the end of this year? Some of the ones that you had are luxury sleeper trains, polar cruises down to places like Antarctica, big multi-generational family trips, adventure cycling, super yachts. I mean, I think all of those have come to pass this year. The demand for train travel uh, and long-distance train traveling instead of flying is is definitely there. And it's sort of become like this sort of status symbol, really. Mm -hmm. Train travel is more expensive than flying, takes more time. You know, people are absolutely evangelical about uh, long-distance train travel. Yeah. Adventure cycling, yeah, I guess that's a sort of, you know, the same trend for wanting to do authentic adventures out there. Everyone bought a bike in the pandemic. Yeah, exactly. And it's but it's not just any bike. It's like a gravel bike with a strap on um, (laughs) bags. And, you know, they've got their own special uh, espresso maker that slips into one of those bags. (laughs) And, you know, it's all very fetishized. Yeah. So that's definitely a growing trend. Yeah. Yeah. Tom, you've been to many places and you write about many places and you commission stories about many places. I know this goes against everything we're saying about sending everybody (laughs) to one place. But like if you were to recommend one or two places that people may not have thought of to visit, what would you recommend? I mean, against my better judgment, um, <laughs> my absolute favorite place is Greenland. Mm. Uh, I've been there a couple of times. I spent seven or eight weeks there once camping. I went back t- 20 years later and it hadn't changed at all, you know, which is which is wonderful. And it still just feels completely like a frontier in I don't know, in just an incredibly sort of invigorating way. And I guess my other thing is, you know, I'm an obsessive about the Alps and I find that there's still, you know, lots of tiny villages that are really, really authentic and preserved and where you can go skiing and just have a very peaceful time really sort of getting back to nature. Mm -hmm. Should I name one place or should I keep that for myself? No, keep it for yourself. Okay. (laughs) We'll tell people to Google it. Tom, this was so informative and so fun. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, Lala. That's the show. Thank you for listening to FT Weekend, the podcast from the Financial Times. I've shared links to some of Tom's stories in the show notes, including some of his favorite small villages in the Alps. I was just kidding about making you Google it. There is also a special discount there to a subscription to the FT. Next Wednesday is our fourth and final episode of our travel mini-series, and I'll be talking with Matt Kepnes. He's better known as Nomadic Matt. Basically, that last episode is all about tips. Matt's a deals expert, he's been traveling consistently for well over a decade, and he knows how to do a good trip on a good budget. So he tells us about points, flight deals, planning trips for big groups, and a lot more. This show was produced by Zach St. Louis, executive produced by Topher Forges, and sound engineered by Breen Turner with original music by Metaphor Music. Thanks to Cheryl Brumley and Alistair Mackey. FD Weekend Travel is supported by Remova. 
German engineering. The world sees it as dry. Maybe the world should look again. Because at Remova, German engineering is our art. Ingenieurskunst, the art of engineering since 1898. Remova.